depending on whose watch you're looking at, I think it's time to start. At least that's what I've been told. How are you guys doing? Hmm? Yeah, it's Wednesday. We're a little tired, aren't we? Yeah, I've been working all week, working a little too hard. Well, we're going to sing some Christmas songs. They always cheer you up, right? They cheer you up? I, I, yeah, I like listening to Christmas music. It's a lot of fun. It's a good season. All right. I'm ready for the first one, Loretta, are you? All right, there it is. He came upon the midnight clear. Yep. He came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old. From angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. And he beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and By prophets seen of old, when with the ever-circling years shall come the time foretold, when peace shall overhaul the earth, its ancient splendors fling, and the whole world send back the song which now This is, uh, I haven't sang this one yet this season. Have, do you guys know this song? Raise your hand if you know this song. There's, I got, you know, maybe half. But, yeah? Morning, that's why I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you came to morning service, you already sang it, right? All right, well, let's sing through. Right? If you don't know, just join along with us, especially if you can. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind did Wise man, I would do my part. And there was uh, there was one about earth and 
earth and heaven will vanish before Jesus Christ comes back to me. I'm not sure about that. I mean, because Jesus Christ is going to come back to reign on earth, right? On this earth, right? For a thousand years, right? That's who's going to rule and reign, and earth is not going to vanish away. Now, he's going to make all things new. I don't think until life after. But, uh, yeah, all right. Well, we know, we know what we believe, right? All right, who is he in yonder stall? shepherds fall tis the Lord a wondrous story tis love <coughs> heed we humbly fall crown him crown him Lord of all lo at midnight who is he praise in dark Gethsemane tis the Lord a wondrous story is the Lord, the King of glory, at His feet we humbly fall, crown Him, crown Him, Lord of all. Who is He that from the grave comes to yield and help and save? Is the Lord a wondrous glory, is the Lord, the King of glory, at His Humbly fall, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Who is he that from yon throne rules the world of light alone? Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Hello, everybody. Are we all happy today? Good. It was warm out there. It's not warm right now, maybe, but it was warm out there today. It's supposed to get warmer. Not, uh, they said that the chances of a white Christmas are like nil, but uh, you'll survive, I suppose, if you don't have a white Christmas. But uh, you'll be glad to know that Pastor Andrew is not going to get a white Christmas either, I don't think. <laughs> it was 42 degrees there today, so... Uh, anyway, so we, uh, yesterday I guess it was, I talked to him yesterday. Um, if you would, continue to pray for uh, Vicki King's daughter-in-law. They're, they stopped the ablation because after four hours they couldn't get to the place where they needed to, and so uh, they're transferring her to a, um, to a um, specialist hospital of some sort, uh, heart hospital out there in Arizona, so that they can try it again. Um, but then we just pray for her. She's, they have um, an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old, I think, so uh, they would really like that. And then those of you who know uh, the coffees, Stephanie Coffee, um, what, was their, what was her maiden name? Meller. Yeah, Stephanie Meller. She's in my sixth grade class. She had a major heart attack. Uh, she's okay uh, in that they had to put in some stents and do some surgery and they think she's going to recover just fine but she had a major heart attack she's I don't know in her 50s I would guess maybe at this point in her 40s still so uh, just pray for the Mellers and then those of you who know the Hebrons that would just be a couple of you but Rob Hebron uh, died this last week he was 58 uh, they had he had long COVID they said so what happened was he got COVID he was out for a year and was trying to go back to work, and his work said that he had to have a booster to go back. He got the booster that set him back into the COVID again. Now another year passed, and, and then he died this last week. So uh, he was 58, so if you pray for them, I know they would all appreciate that. Let's pray, and then we'll uh, let Doc get started. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity we have to Look together at your word, allow you to challenge us, to grow us. We pray that you would be with these families that are struggling right now, especially that you would just watch over each of them, uh, help them to find hope and peace and comfort in you. Uh, be with the teenagers, the college students, the young people as they're meeting throughout the buildings, that you would just 
bless those programs as they're happening as well. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Also, I forgot, may I mention? Uh, so you probably already heard about Robert and Jeanette and Dennis and Diana. Uh, we're at Denny's and uh, went outside and their cars and windows had been smashed. And uh, they did get Miss Jeanette's wallet. And before they got everything stopped, got away with $1,800 from different accounts and credit cards. So now all of that stuff has to be gone through. So pray for those folks. No, they did not get Dennis's wallet. It was uh, hidden, I guess. And they think that they got spooked because all they did was broke his window and never did seem to rummage through anything in their vehicle. So, um, you know, I told them they shouldn't be hanging around with these people. <laughs> all right. So I think we're ready for you, Doc, if you're ready. Getting a clicker ready. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Terry Long with ALS and and uh, hospice care. So pray for him. All right. Are we getting it? Well, we may have to click from the from back there, but we'll we'll make it work. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Yeah, we're not my fault either. Not my fault. Not my fault. Um, so tonight we're going to do things a little differently. Um, we're going to actually look into our Bibles um, because I want you to see in Scripture, in, in the Word itself, what God said about what He said He's going to do, and about what the future is going to be. All right. And uh, so, let's see if this is going to work now. Was that me or you? Okay. So tonight, we're going to reflect a little bit. I want you to have to think back through some of the things that we've been speaking about over the last four, five, six weeks. Contemplate, kind of start chewing on it. And then we'll draw some conclusions in terms of some things um, in, in preparation for next week, which is when we're going to wrap up the, the, this whole discussion. Um, and so in order to get a, a handle... Okay, on the covenants, okay, and we have to begin in the scripture when it, when it comes to this, this issue because when we, when we grab a hold of what's, what actually God had said, so open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to go right through these 15, 17, 22, and eventually get to Galatians. Uh, when, when God was talking to Abraham in Genesis 12, it says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and make, make thy, thy name great, and thou shalt, be, thou, shalt, thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee will all the, all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, the first thing that we have to grasp a hold of is the fact that when God starts to speak to us, when he goes to first person and says, I, it's time to stand up, listen carefully, and not argue. Right? When God said, I will, and that's what we have here. And so what we have um, at this point is, I will make of thee a great nation. Right? So Abraham's got a promise, and that's, an, that's a promise that is, lasts through eternity. Right? That's what God said he's going to do out of Abraham. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And when we, we, we read through those, and I, I can remember back when I was in Bible college and I first heard these things uh, as a young freshman um, in, in Old Testament introduction, uh, the idea of land, seed, and blessing, and the, and, the, and the professor just went, land, seed, and blessing, and it's, and it's almost like you just ran through it, like everybody knows this, of course. And I was going, wait a minute, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I had to do a lot of work to get caught up because I just had no idea because I didn't grow up with this stuff. And so the whole idea of, of, of this connection to Abraham and to the nation of Israel um, was a brand new, brand new to me, but it was amazing as I, as I came to understand it and grasp a hold of it. And, and so this is the beginning of the covenant relationship with Abraham, the father of Israel, 
and the Israelites, the Jews, and, and it, it goes from there. All right, so let's move over to Genesis chapter 15 and verses uh, 18 to 21. We've looked at this one previously, but it becomes extremely important as we think about this. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. Now, those are not familiar people groups to most of us. But if you live back in those days, they would be, everybody would know either they were friend or, friend or foe. And going through um, the history of Israel and the history of, of of that era, this discussion was very significant because it was setting up whose land was where. And you remember we, I showed you those maps earlier on, and, and it became very important that the land itself, the seed, that's the, 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 the genealogy, if you will, and the, the, the history of people, the lineage, land, seed, and blessing, all right? And the blessing has been promised to Israel and one of the things that we quickly realize as we study the Old Testament is that God's hand of blessing was on Israel and on the Israelites even when they were in captivity. And God was protecting the land even when they were in captivity and when they were um, basically dispersed around the world, the diaspora, and they were scattered. If you, re if you recall in terms of some of the captivities... There was always a remnant left in the land, and the land prospered. They, they basically left some people there, and they were supposed to be the gardeners. They were supposed to be the caretakers. And they were to keep the, the land of Israel a burdened space um, where they, they would, you know, we talk about the, um, the, the land of milk and honey. And, and we're going to see here in a little bit, if, if the video comes up, pray that it does, um, how God had historically blessed Israel. And if you go to Israel today, you can almost see a line in the sand between land that the Jews are carrying, taking care of and, and land that the Arabs are taking care of. It goes from sand and scrub to just marvelous, magnificent forests of, of fruit trees and, and other things. And, and, and Brent and I were on the way home today. We were talking about this. One of the things that... that was very important to, to the nation of Israel, and this is after 1948 and the land, you know, the, the, the homeland, etc. And they set up the kibitz, kibitzes, kibitzes, uh, the kibitzes, that when you came to Israel, one of the things that was a requirement, and if you spend two years on the kibitz before you could go and, and, and get into another job someplace, because they wanted you to be connected to the land. There was a very deliberate um, process that they went through in order to do that. And, and the land becomes very important to the Israelites. Genesis 17, 1 through 10. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the, the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Now notice he changes the, the, the language, many nations. And I'll, I'll explain that in, in a second in terms of how this is understood um, in, in the geopolitical space. Um, now that's not a phrase that would have been used back then, but today that's the phrase that we use. Uh, Neither shall thy name or any, uh, any more be called Abram, but, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations I have made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make the nations, the nations of thee, and the kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after, after thee, and the generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and unto thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land where wherein um, thou art a stranger, and all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will, I, will be, I will be their God. And God said unto Abram, 
Uh, thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which, which, thou, which ye shall keep between me and you and among uh, you shall be circumcised and it continues the circumcision. Now, notice what is said here in chapter 17 in particular. All right? So, as we, as we look at the languages 12, 15, and now in 17, what's, what we're seeing is he's opening the window of our understanding of, of this covenant. If you, if you notice, it's an everlasting covenant. And he uses those, that kind of a word multiple times here. It's not one that's going to stop. It's not one that's going to stop and start. It's everlasting into thy seed. Now, the other piece of this that becomes extremely important is this. It doesn't matter how they're going and how they're obeying and how they're behaving. It's to their seed. And God is looking through the course of human history to the point where beyond where we are right now and, and God, is, God is going to do something with this group of people somehow, some way, in ways that not even Abraham understood fully. And so as we, as we think this through, you, you need to remember that this is my covenant there. It says, and, and ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Okay? So he moves from it just essentially being between Abraham himself and God himself to Abraham, God, and thy seed. All right? So it's now, it, it's now passed along. The inheritance is passed along. The blessing is passed along. The promise of the land is pro- passed along to all of the seed of Abraham forever and ever. And that's extremely important because when we talk about inheritance and we talk about lineages and things along that line, there's... It, it, it's not necessarily as, as eternal, if you will, in terms of, of things. So let's look at Genesis 22 in verses uh, 15 through 18. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, uh, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son. Now, this is the, 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 the issue with Isaac and Abraham on the mountain, all right? That in, in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy, she, thy seed shall possess the gate of, of his enemies. And, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast observed my voice. And so, as we... As we see this stated over and over again, this idea, I will bless them that curse, bless them that bless thee, I will curse them that curse thee. And he says it here, I, you know, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, all right? There's a blessing that comes to all nations because of Israel. Now, are there nations that curse Israel? You betcha. Are there nations that curse in, uh, Israel today? Absolutely. Are there consequences to that process going on? Yes, absolutely. And we see this over and over and over and over again in terms of history. And so when we take a look at, at the kinds of questions that political leaders have asked themselves and asked their, their cohorts in terms of leadership in their countries, what do we do about Israel? What do we do about Israel? Um, and it, 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 it comes down to whether or not there's a sense of appreciation for the God of the Scriptures or not when we, when we start to look at some of this, okay? But at this point, you, I hope that you're getting the, getting in the idea that four times in just a few chapters, ten chapters in, in the book of Genesis, God makes it very, very clear uh, as, as it relates to where does Israel sit in terms of, of all of what's going on on the planet, if you will, and, and the, he uses these, these very inclusive terms, all, all is a very inclusive term. It says, all nations, all peoples shall be blessed. All right? so, and yet, we realize that when we go all the way, all the way back to uh, Ezekiel, um, chapter 36, we're going to look at this, this chapter, and then we're going to look at, at another verse in a minute. We, we see some very interesting language 
being used to describe uh, what's going on in Israel at this point in, in history. Uh, Ezekiel 36, 17 to 24. Right? Um, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land... Now, now listen carefully and, and watch carefully what God says here. Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured out my fury upon them for the blood that, that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries. According to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. And when they entered into the, unto the heathen, where, whither they went, and they profaned my name, when they said to them, These are the people of the Lord, and are gone forth out of his land. But I had pity on mine holy, my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. <clears throat> Therefore say they unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not do this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, um, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither they went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take, take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all the countries and bring you into your own land. All right? Now, we find this concept of regathering, the regathering of the, of the nation of Israel back into Israel a couple of times in the Scripture. God's, God's intent is to have the nation of Israel gathered, regathered um, into the land. But he also said, you don't deserve it, so I'm going to scatter you until, you until I can get your attention, and then he will regather them back. But understand something. The heathen understand what is going on here. Because the covenant with Israel was not something that was unknown all right, in the, in the era of, of, uh, that we were talking about. And... If you read in Daniel and you read the discussion between Daniel and the leadership there, they knew who he was as a, as a Jew, as an Israelite, as a young man of God. And, and we see this here as well. The nations knew the special place that Israel had in the mind of God. They didn't fully understand it. All they knew was that this is a special group and we need to be careful with what we do. And then they look at this and they, they say, what are you doing? Why are you profaning your own God? And we, we find this um, over and over again as we, as we read through particularly Ezekiel, but the, the other major prophets as well. And so when, you, when we take a look at this, and when we, we're going to get to another verse here in a minute, but I'm going to drop down to this question, who are the Jews who God brought back into the land in 1948? All right? They were very similar to this group a profaning group. And God brought them back into the land. You know, it, it almost makes us step back and go, God, why are you doing that? You know, just, you know, just wipe them all out and start over again. But that's, that's not going to agree with the covenant, the everlasting unilateral covenant that we have. Right? And so not only do we have this in the Old Testament, when you move over to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8, we, we have it repeated for us in the New Testament context where it says, And the Scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preach before the gospel unto Abram, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. And so this whole idea of Israel being blessed still remains in the New Testament era. Israel is still special. Israel is still important. It, 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 it didn't get put off, uh, in, you know, off, off the record, if you will, um, with the crucifixion, with Pentecost, etc. Israel is still important in the present, all right? And we, we, we need to realize, while there is a special place for the church, Israel's not out of the equation. Right? Remember, where did Paul go? He went to 
the synagogues first because he was concerned about the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel has been, will be, and is going to continue to be of, of extreme importance um, as we move forward and as we try to understand what's going on um, today. Okay, so what occurred, and I'm asking this question somewhat early in this discussion because I want you to start thinking, what occurred in 1948, all right? When we take a look at Ezekiel 39-29, we have here this, this statement. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I poured out my, my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. Now here's the question. Did this occur in 1948? No. Because he said, I have poured, have, past tense, poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel. What that, that basically is saying is that I have gone through the process of regenerating the Israelites. We have a spiritual nation. It's not just occupying the land. It's not just the blessing. It's they are spiritual Israel. All right? and, and many people have taken this verse out of its context, the rest of the context of Ezekiel 39, and said, ah, this is what happened in 1948. Wrong. Israel since 1948 is is, has been and has continued to be a heathen nation. If you, if you study Israel and if you study the, the character of, of the nation of Israel, apart from a small remnant, very small remnant, among some of the Orthodox and some of the, some of the, some of the Jews right, are spiritual. And we have the Messianic Jews, and, and there's a tremendous discussion about that one that goes on. And, and it's not as if this is not going to happen. Remember, this is a prophetic statement, all right? Um, as he was looking forward beyond where things were in Ezekiel 39 when Ezekiel was receiving this. And, and so the, then the question becomes, does this matter? And the reason why this matters is because if we apply the wrong text to the wrong context to, to come up with an application to become up some, that may, it's going to make us really get excited about you know, we've already hit the end times and so forth. This does not occur in, in the rest of, 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 of biblical history until much later. We aren't even close to this right now that we know of, all right? But we don't know for sure. We don't, but it's, all I can tell you is that it hasn't happened yet because Israel has never been, the, the Spirit has never been poured out upon Israel yet. And all of what that means in terms of the Old Testament is very significant. Now, the declarations, and, and, and I, I'm just giving you this as a, as a historical snapshot. Um, there's the declaration of war in, in 1914. Um, and and when, we, when we talk about this 20th century space, um, when it comes to the nation of Israel, and we talk about the Middle East, there's a sense in which World War I was fought over Israel fought because of Israel. The Balfour Declarations, which is what we're going to look at, Lord willing, uh, in the video in a minute, and just give me an up. This video runs very quickly, and the speaker speaks very quickly. Um, for those of you that may want the, the video, I've got the link to it, and you may want to go back and just listen to it over again because it's, it's really fast. But the Balfour Declaration was a simple statement that basically said the, the, the nation, uh, the, the United Kingdom believes that it's extremely important um, for there to be a homeland for the Jews, all right? And it's, it's, it's in the middle of World War I with the Ottomans, the, the, the crashing of the, the, of, of the Ottoman Empire, etc., and the setting up of the, of the contests and the conflicts. And remember um, what was going on in, 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 in Russia and other places at that time. This was a turbulent period of time philosophically and, and also in terms of of the, the relationships. Then in 1947, the UN Declaration, um, October, November 29th, 47, the, the, the resolution was, was uh, passed. In May 48, um, was extremely important because on the 14th, we have one event taking place, which is the statement of the, Israel, the, the British statement of their independence. And on the 15th of May, 1948, um, 700 and some thousand. Arabs from all over the Arab countries around them invaded Israel. Right, we're going to come back to that. And then also 1948, uh, 75 years ago, the UN Declaration of Human Rights 
which emerged directly out of the, um, the, the discussion with reference to what happened in terms of the Holocaust. Now, are we ready to do the video? Okay. It's not going to work. Okay. Oh boy. <clears throat> well, let's put the let's put the uh, PowerPoint back up. So the, this is the Belfort Declaration. Um, it's, uh, it was sent to Lord Rothschild by the, the then Foreign Secretary of the United Kingdom. And, and let me just read it. It's, I have much pleasure in conveying to you, Lord, Roth, Lord, Lord Rothschild was in charge of, or he was the leader of, the Zionist movement, the, the Zionist world organization at that time. Right? And they were still, there was still the hope, the aspirations, the, the 2,000 years of, of praying that the, that the Jews had been going through for the return to their homeland. Right? And it says, I have much pleasure conveying to you, on behalf of His Majesty's government, the following declaration of sympathy with the Jewish Zionist aspirations, which has been submitted to and approved by the cabinet. That's the British cabinet, right? His Majesty's government view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object, it being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the, the, the civil and religious rights of the existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine or the pilgrims and political uh, status of, enjoyed by the Jews in any other country. Um, I should be grateful if, if you would bring this declaration to the knowledge of the Zionist Federation. So it went directly to Lord Rothschild, and he immediately um, dispensed, dispersed this. But as, as would have been, and I'm going to say this now, because I'm going to be pulling through, in my mind, some of the things that are said in the video. Um, one of the things that we see in this particular document is very careful diplomatic language. Right? One of the phrases here is, um, with favor, the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. Now, um, um, Mr. Belfour verbally communicated back, and he said, which we understand to be a, the Jewish state. And they were pressing in that direction that what's understood is the fact that this homeland is to be the Jewish state. It was more than just, you know, you get to live on the land, but you've got to live with all these other people. And remember, at that point in time, there was something like 700,000 Arab Palestinians living in what we know is, is, is the Holy Land uh, today. And there was about a hundred and some thousand Jews. So it's a one to seven ratio, essentially, in terms of what was going on. And, and so when they, when they use this language, um, nothing shall be done which shall, may prejudice the civil and religious rights of the existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine. 
what was immediately understood, and this was in the press, is that the mere statement that you're setting up a, a, a homeland for the Jews is establishing prejudice, and there are several and, and religious rights that are being overwritten. And, and so there was, there, there was, from an Arab perspective, there was nothing legitimate about this whatsoever. Um, at the same time, he talks about the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. <clears throat> well, the interesting piece is about the only place on, on the planet where the Jews were, had rights and political status was in the Ottoman Empire. And the Ottoman Empire was a very interesting empire at that time, which was going to be crushed um, shortly before the end of World War I. But the Ottomans had a really difficult uh, predicament on their hands, and so what they did was they had to do things to encourage and to bring um, into their, their, their it's basically it was Turkey uh, for the most part, but they, they had to just give them unique opportunities that, that were, were not there. But when we, when we start looking at this and we start watching what was going on in terms of the... Um, the, the, the geopolitical um, maneuvering that was going on, um, and the name of the man escapes me f at the moment, but there was a, a, a Jewish uh, scientist um, in, in, in England, and the dilemma that, that Great Britain faced at this point in time in, in history when they were, they were trying to, to fight the, the, the Axis powers um, was this. They, they, they were having troubles producing gunpowder. And the key ingredient in gunpowder was acetone. And acetone, most of the acetone in the world at that point in time was produced in Germany. Well, they no longer had access to it. So what he came up with is a means of, of actually creating acetone, which is what is in fingernail polish cleaner, um, out of chestnuts, which there was abundance of in, in Great Britain and so forth. So, and then what he did is he basically created this, patented it, and, and gave it to the British government and said, here, produce as much of this as you want, just, and, and didn't ask for any royalties or anything along that line. And all of a sudden the British were back in, in business, if you will, with being able to produce the munitions that they needed in order to, to defeat the, the Germans, right? That's a, that's a short and, and, and very um, poor version of what was in that video, all right? But this is what was going on. And, it, and so in order to be able to fight the war, to prosecute the war, they, they were doing things to, to facilitate this, which was very interesting from a geopolitical perspective because you had the frustration of the Germans already was going on and the, and, and the powers that were associated with that. And, and, and so this Balfour Declaration is, becomes a, an incredibly important thing in terms of, of, of what's going on. Um, and it set the conditions for the next slide. Um, uh, am I pointing this thing in the wrong place at this time? Okay, so what was going on, again, is, is manipulating the maps, all right? It's about the only way to, to describe this, um, what was going on. And we have the, the Emirate of Transjordan, was, which was created out of thin space, thin air, um, to deal with the, the Jordanian Arabs, the British mandate, and there was the splitting up of the, of the, the French mandate, etc. all as, as we look at the, 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 what was going on after World War, after World War I, Versailles, etc. And, and so this is where we're at five years later um, in, in terms of this. And yet there was this second, second map that has a little bit of a, a difference in terms of things, and they were still struggling with the issue of what is this legitimate Palestine that, that we're talking about. And so when, when we get to this point in terms of the end of, uh, end of World War I and Versailles, and for those of you who are, are just history nuts, Versailles was... A, a failure, and the failure, the true failure of it, showed up in World War at the beginning of World War II, but also the League of Nations just was not able to 
to succeed in trying to calm things down and to get things equally distributed, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is, this is the dilemma that we face at this point because is Israel going to have a homeland or are they going to have a state, right? And so there were discussions going on across the, the Atlantic um, and, and throughout Europe and, and other places as it relates to how much of this land, and remember, that land that you see in the light green, the Emirate of Transjordan, which was not a country, was not even an entity prior to World War I, um, was part of the original promised land, right? Going back to, 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 the, to the passage in Exodus, or in Genesis that we were looking at. And then we have this, this going all the way up to 1947, we, we have this, the partition plan, the Arab state and the Jewish state. And now you, you look at that. Yellow is, is the Arab state. Uh, the, that um, brownish color is, is the Jewish state. And, and this wasn't working for anybody, right? And this was, this was it, 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 it eventually, they, they worked it out, but it, it, was, it was a bad plan from the very beginning, right, for both sides, all right? Now, at, at, at what's called Independence Hall in, in, uh, in Israel, David Ben-Gurion um, is here standing up, and he's declaring his independence beneath a large portrait of Theodore Herzl, uh, the founder of modern Zionism, <clears throat> and so, and he's he's revered in 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 Israel. So the the Israeli Declaration of Independence, which was stated here formally, the Declaration of the Establishment of the State of Israel was proclaimed on the 14th of May, 1948, after the United Nations had declared that had passed the resolution 18181. And this was like this was happening at, it would, at basically at, at close to midnight on the 14th uh, of, of May in 1948. Ben Gurion was the executive head of the World Zionist Organization. He was the chairman of the Jewish Agency for Palestine, uh, and he was soon to be the first premier of uh, prime minister rather of Israel. Basically, as soon as Ben Gurion stated this. Within hours, quite literally, the first Arab-Israeli war began. And this is where the invasion from all sides of Israel took place. It was that fast. And so it was, it was, it was not something that there was a lot of waiting around. The, the invasion took place, and it, and it basically was a systematic invasion that took place over several days. And, and then it really became um, a, a full-blown war. Um, and this is where we're going to start next week. And for any of you that want the, to see the video that we were supposed to have seen, um, I'll be happy to send it to you. Uh, my, my email is in the, um, the directory. Um, please just send me, send me the link. And it's, it's a YouTube link. It should come up. Um, and it's an amazing thing. I, I'll be quite honest with you. I was looking for more information earlier in the week. And, and, I, and I, I was just going, man, how am I going to, how am I going to discuss this? Um, and, and I realized that I was way over my head in terms of facts, I mean, I was swamped with it, overwhelmed with it, um, and I came across this, and I said, praise the Lord. So um, I, what I would suggest to you strongly is if you get a chance to, to look at it, it will, it will basically fill in all the blanks that I had to leave blank um, over the last 10, 15 minutes. So, um, so that's, that's where we're going to pick up next week at the beginning of the first Arab-Israeli war, um, and then we're going to look at the rest of the modern wars, the 56, 67, etc., and, and the modern geopolitical events that are significant, um, and to some degree the religious issues that are that are that are still there. So, thank you. I'm sorry. I apologize for the technology, but such such as it is. Okay. So time to pray. Um, go home. Get a good night's rest. Trust the Lord.